Here we are with Pastor Dorian Cass of Life Application Ministries, officially in the building. What up, Dope? What's up? What's up, Watson? Welcome, welcome. We appreciate having you on here. Uh, just going to start our new podcast uh, again with Pastor Dorian Cass. And just to come in and introduce yourself a little bit to the people, those who know you, more importantly, those who don't, a little bit about who you are. Cool, cool. Well, I'm really excited um, uh, uh, to be here and, and to really engage in these conversations. I think that's what's important about it um, and uh, uh, dig into some great topics. So uh, for those that don't know me, again, my name is Pastor Dorian Cast. I'm uh, the pastor here at Lamb Christian Church. Um, I've been in ministry uh, for um, uh, 14 years, uh, pastoring for uh, 10 and um, uh, I'm married 10 years as well uh, with five children. And um, I also work. I'm a director of immigration and staffing firm here in Troy. So um, I, I have uh, more than one job <laughs> and a lot of children. And working in a thriving ministry here in, in Warren, Michigan, right outside of the city of Detroit, uh, where God has been blessing us and, and adding members uh, to us. So it's a really exciting time. Uh, looking forward right. to having some good conversation, discussing Bible and church. Uh, and those aren't always the same thing. Some things are Bible <laughs> and some things are just church. Uh, talking sports, a little pop culture, and whatever is in the news headlines. So okay. excited to be here. All right. Well, awesome. Again, uh, just like I stated before, I'm hoping to have some people get to know you through these conversations. Get to feel like you know, you're just their friend, same way I call you friend. Absolutely. Uh, get them behind the veil. So with just an easy start, we'll warm up and, you know, eventually turn up the fire on the pastor uh -oh. and put him in a hot seat uh -oh. later as we go. <laughs> Uh-oh. But we're going to start off with don't, just an easy don't question. Don't cause too much trouble. I don't trouble. want him running that's away from don't me just yet. Don't cause too much trouble. <laughs> well, that's what I do. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but honestly, I just want to have you speak maybe to some of the general public or some people who struggle with certain things coming into faith initially where they feel like, oh, man, you know, I just... God wouldn't forgive this, or mm -hmm. God, you just don't know what I did, and I can't be forgiven for that, and there's no way I'm coming down to that altar. You know, what what do you say to that person? Well, I, I, I say um, that you are the very person Christ died for, you know, and, and a lot of us always, we don't automatically assume it's us. We assume it's someone else, and that is no matter what side of the spectrum you're on, because I can speak from someone that was raised in church, and I almost you know, felt like it wasn't for me because I didn't have some grand testimony. If you've ever met my dad, heard him speak, and have heard his testimony, he has um, a very powerful testimony of deliverance from drugs and, 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 and you know, near-death experiences. And I always felt, on the other side of the coin, I felt less than for a long time because I didn't. Mm -hmm. I was never on drugs. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I was never in the streets. I always knew God. Right, right. So I felt like I didn't have a testimony. Okay. When others who had been delivered from these great things <laughs> did, and I felt less than. Okay. Okay. You know, because of that. So, um, uh, for all of us, you have to know that we are number one. The sin that's in our life, we are the reason Christ went to Calvary, okay. whatever that sin is. And secondly, there is a reason for each kind of testimony. So God had to wake me up to what my testimony was. I didn't think I had one. Okay. Um, but he, he, he showed me that um, the Bible says that we comprehend with all saints or it is by everyone that is in the body of Christ that we get to understand how deep, how wide, how tall. 
God's love really is. So um, for me, he, he said, some people need to know that I, I'm a keeper. Some, some people's testimony is that I'm a deliverer. So whatever you're dealing with right now, whomever's listening, and you're worried that it's too tough, it's too much, it's been going on too long, God is saying, no, I'm calling you because I want everybody to know I'm a deliverer. I can deliver from that. For me, now I've walked with him long enough for him to have to be a, a deliverer <laughs> for me. So I am well aware of his deliverance power, but, but also it is that he's a keeper. Okay. He said, I, I need somebody to show the world that not only do I deliver, but I keep. Okay. And I keep for your whole life and I'll keep your children and I'll keep your children's children. So both testimonies mm -hmm. um, are necessary. So nobody's ever too far. Okay. All right. Well, that's awesome. So uh, that transitions into the next subject, um, and which is kind of going to be an ongoing thing because okay. it all revolves around faith, uh, at least I would suppose, and I want this to be about faith. Sure. Hopefully. Um, so, you know, in a big grand scheme of things, you know, what does faith look like? We've talked about it a little bit off the record, but, you know, it, what is faith? You know, is it a guy who goes to work, pays his bills, takes care of his family, serves in church? Or is it just a guy who's just, oh, I don't sin? I mean, mm -hmm. what does faith look like? Wow. That's like the million-dollar question, right? You know, <laughs> I, I tell people a lot of times that uh, it, heaven has to be for eternity because it's going to take God that long to get some of us to understand why and how he does some of the things that he does. And, and what faith actually looks like is so huge because um, faith can look very different depending upon... The circumstance. Okay. Um, but one of the things that I think we don't talk about, so so that would be very difficult for me to tackle, but there is one thing that I, I, I think I can confidently say is what faith doesn't look like. Okay. And okay. Uh, one of those things is I think the church, the church, we do a disservice to what faith really is because we present faith as certainty. Like the language of church, the language of our worship, the language of our prayers, it kind of gives the impression that we believe and we never doubt. So I think we, we, we do ourselves a disservice because a lot of people who are like, well, I do have doubt. Uh -huh. They feel less than, they feel like maybe they're not. Adequate, know, adequate, exactly. Backslidden, backslidden. Because I, I, honestly, a lot of people will think, "Well, now that I doubt, yeah, maybe I've backslid." Okay. Especially people who are raised in church, and you know, when you're given this as a child, you don't have doubts. It's what your parents told you, so it's true. Right. And then the day you question whether this is real, or you question if God can do what you always believed He can do, I've backslidden. I've lost my faith. Okay. And, and I tell people, and my one of my biggest um, uh, 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 things to communicate to people even when I'm counseling is that we do a disservice giving the impression that when we exhibit our faith we never doubt and I know some people will say well James 1 6 says you know you must ask in faith never doubting yeah I was going to quote that verbatim <laughs> but that's what you know no, but that's what church people right, right, we right. always say you don't speak it you better have no doubt you know uh -huh. I, I, I don't have a shadow of a doubt right. you know what God is going to do mm -hmm. and people are like well if I do doubt do I not have faith and honestly I believe it is not faith unless doubt is in the room wait a minute wait a minute say that again 
You have not engaged your faith unless doubt is in the room. All right. So you got to keep going on that. So so if I'm certain and I know exactly what's going to happen, how it's going to happen and when it's going to happen, I'm not. That's not faith. The Bible says if a man can see it or has it, he doesn't. Why does he hope for it? It's not hope unless you can can't see it and you don't have it yet. And it's not faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Like, it's not faith unless there's potential for it to be something else or for what you want to happen to not happen. You know what I mean? Like, we give this impression that it's faith only when you're certain God is going to do. Well, my God can't fail, right? <laughs> he can't fail, but he, he, he also may not do exactly what I want him to do either. Mm-hmm. Or... I might wonder, is it possible for him to fail? Uh-huh. Faith is when you have these other doubts or you yeah. have other options or there's other potential reasons and you still choose God. Okay. So I, it's, it's similar to a win. You can't win. A win is not possible unless a loss is also in the room. That's, I tell people that and work okay. often. Like, hey, guys, we have to take the kind of risks in order to win that we could also lose. Anytime someone won, Justin... Yeah. They could have potentially lost. And anytime someone engages their faith, they could have potentially been wrong. Okay. Or there could have been another option. So just because you have doubt does not mean you don't have faith. Faith is when you move even when you still have doubts. Okay. Okay. You know, it's it's one of those things because doubt comes in uh, naturally for, you know, a lot of people, I assume. I know I certainly have my doubts about certain situations sure. um, and don't think myself above it. Uh, because, you know, one thing that I've always felt uh, is like that doubt, you know, that does create room for failure. And it's like, oh, I didn't believe enough. Yeah. I didn't, you know, because from a sports analogy, you shoot your shot. You do. So with faith, you take your faith and you take a shot and you believe in or all in or otherwise, I feel like that's, it's that, so I mean like, you want to put it all in or do you want to eliminate all options? But God, like what, where is it that creates this where doubt's a good thing it almost sounds like? I guess that's what I'm saying. It almost sounds like you're saying doubt's a good thing. Doubt's a necessary thing. Okay. I don't necessarily want to call it a good thing. I want to call it a necessary thing. Okay. Um, because, uh, when you doubt and then it still move, so faith has to do with action. Faith doesn't have to do with this mental thing of I know what's going to happen. Faith has to do with your actions bearing out what you believe to be true. Okay. And the more you are able to keep moving and operating mm-hmm. in faith, even when doubt is present, that's when you grow to trust God more than your doubts. Okay. Because one of the biggest things that you'll hear people that challenge, um, when people struggle with their faith, one of the greatest things I ever read was a a writer say, doubt your doubts. You know, because we give our doubts so much credit, you know, like, oh, whatever holes we find in the scripture, whatever hole we find in science, like we'll give our doubts credibility. And he said, no, you need to doubt your doubt. Your doubt might not be true. (laughs) And when you move in faith, even when you have doubt, you learn to not trust your doubt. And your doubt begins to carry less and less weight the more and more you move in faith. If you only move when you're certain, you don't have the power 
to keep moving when doubt shows up. And trust okay. me, there's going to be situations that get bigger and bigger uh-huh. that you don't want to get blindsided by the moment doubt shows up when you <laughs> really, really need to be able to move okay. in faith. So that's a perfect transition to my next question. We yeah. talk about bigger and bigger. I recently was in uh, Colorado. Okay. And uh, out there in Colorado, there's these things called mountains. <laughs> yes. They're pretty big. They are. And a very famous scripture talking about faith where Jesus says, if you had that but of a mustard seed, mm-hmm. you could move this mountain. Indeed. Yet, I don't think a lot of people feel like they move mountains with their faith. Where's that gap between this little tiny mustard seed and mountains moving? Because I just flew around the mountains. So I, I was going to say, right did now. you ask them to move? <laughs> Not a chance, though. I just <laughs> clicked the button to yeah. the right direction. Yeah, yeah. So so this, this is the problem. I think this is going to be a challenge. Um, for me, for this, for for all of these conversations. Okay. So the 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 challenges is we we faith exists in a context. Okay. Like it exists on a spectrum or uh, uh, within a framework, if you will. I don't want to wax too philosophical, but faith yeah. exists within a context. Um, and most of the time, we only talk about faith in this very, you know, isolated sense. That hey, I have this situation that uh-huh. I need to believe God and have the faith for him to move or I have this test that I need faith to move in where actually faith exists within the context of the will of God okay so like I can't talk about faith for a specific instance unless I'm talking about your whole life and you submitting to the sovereignty and the will of God. So now if I, in my life, I have to have the faith to align my whole life with the will of God in order for mountains to be moved. Like I don't get to just be doing whatever I want, show up to a mountain and say, mountain, move out of the way. My prayer has to align with God's entire will Okay. for my life. Does that make sense? So too often we isolate faith to just when you walk up to a mountain. Yeah. When your faith has been building and being exhibited the whole time you've been walking, even before you got to the mountain. Okay. So you have to be going in the right direction. Okay. And the way God wants you to go. And I promise you, if the mountain is in the way of where God wants you to go, oh, it's going to move. Okay. But if you're going where you want to go and then you walk up to a mountain and say, hey, mountain, move out of the way. I don't care how much faith you have. That God is not obligated. Okay. To move that mountain. I, I I hear you. You know, the will of God being a huge part of this and it being... It is the ultimate part of this. Okay. That's what I don't think most people get when we start talking about faith. Faith exists ultimately in trusting the will of God. That's what Jesus, when he was praying at the Garden of Gethsemane before he was going to be crucified, Mm -hmm. and he did not want to go to Calvary. Right. He knew, he said, if it be possible... Let this cut pass. Now, I have a specific request. Yes. But ultimately, nevertheless, let your will be done, not mine. So I know that all of my specific requests have to exist within God's whole will for me personally, for my family, Mm -hmm. for the body of Christ, and for what he's trying to do in the whole world. My faith and my request have to line up with that whole context. Okay. So there, there's kind of spins into one a subject in faith I'd like to get into with the whole will of God concept. Sure. Uh, because 
you know, you're walking in the will of God. Um, maybe somebody else is not walking in the will of God. And they do certain actions or act not actions, and they're not in the will of God. But that directly impacts your life. Like someone robbing you at gunpoint. Is, sure. I, I don't know. Is that the will of God? You know? So... God has a will concerning my reactions. Now, people, when you talk about the sovereignty of God, and that's a theological discussion of how much control does God exercise in any given circumstance. Okay. Like, is he making the drive-by shooter right, right, right. shoot? That's, you yeah. know, like, how much is was that God's will? Yeah. Now, I, I, I tell people this. I don't know in any... I know God has the power to orchestrate any and every situation. Right. Now, I know some things happen due to God's hand moving it, but God also allows things. So, mm -hmm. at a minimum, if somebody's robbing me, God might not have made the person rob me, but he allowed them to. Okay. And I always have to choose to respond to what he's allowed in faith. So, you know, that, so whatever bad thing happens, God didn't necessarily have to have done it. He allowed it. So therefore I have to respond okay. with a faith filled response. So the faith filled response, I'm going to put you on the hot seat. I know I told you I wasn't going to, oh, but I warmed you up. We're already here. We are. <laughs> you just falling right into that in situations that are very real. You know, cause that's one thing with these podcasts. I want it to feel, I want it to be real. I don't want people to think that you are putting on a facade. Okay. And I know that you don't. Sure. When it comes to situations and responses and things like that, uh, a very real topic in today's society for the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years has been cancer. Mm -hmm. And it is touched every single life sure. out there. And you're not maybe you directly, but I guarantee sure. you, you know somebody who has. I know someone. Absolutely. Anyone listening to us knows someone who has. And... Not saying they all have passed from it, but a lot have. Yep. As a pastor, especially, how do you counsel that person and say to that person or comfort, like, and this is all under the context of the will of God? Because like you said, that's all falling under the will, right? Sure. So like, as a pastor, I'm, you've been there. Yeah. And like, what do I say to someone? What what do you say? What do you do? How do you feel? I mean, whatever you want to respond, you want to respond to that general spot of just being there. Yeah. So that that's a great question, and I and to be honest, I I've done and being blessed to have been raised by um, my natural father, who's also my pastor. Okay. Um, I've been lucky enough to see and do everything that there pertains to pastoring, and I'll tell you, I'll you know preach anywhere, teach anywhere counsel anywhere, run mm -hmm. a service. I, the, the hardest thing for me and the thing I liked the least was having to go and visit a grieving family immediately after someone passed away. I can't tell you how many homes and houses I sat in front of like dreading going in because I didn't know what to say. Were you showing a lack of faith or doubt then? Uh, hey, listen. <laughs> See, there you, I told you you're going to start trouble. But listen. I felt like I was because this okay. goes back to what I said from the very beginning that I can tell you what faith isn't and having to have something to say goes back to needing to have this sense of certainty. Like I okay. need to be able to be certain to tell you why God, I can, I can make it an explanation of why God did what he did. That's us 
trying to get to this sense of certainty. Okay. And one of the most freeing things that I ever learned as a pastor was in those most difficult of situations, I don't have to have anything to say. Okay. All I have to do is be there. Like, I don't have to have words to make sense of what happened because someone, like, that, that's absurd. If someone's family member just died of cancer and I'm going to have some words that's going to make them go, okay, you know what? That makes sense. I know why God did it. I can be better now and I can start healing. How preposterous <laughs> is that? But, like, we put that weight on us because faith says I need to be able to understand without doubt. But faith is okay. I don't know. Why God let this happen? I can't imagine why he would want to take this person. Mm -hmm. I wonder if he's even able to heal cancer because he didn't heal my family member. But guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep walking, behaving, responding, worshiping in faith. See, because the scripture, James, that people quote a lot of times of, you know, asking faith, not wavering or not doubting, some translations say. The word there, sometimes it's necessary to do word studies because the Greek word there isn't the word for like this intellectual doubt. Okay. The word is hesitation. Okay. So like God expects us to move without hesitation. Okay. Like even if your mind is saying, I'm not certain or I don't know why, God is fine with that. God's not scared of your question. What he's asking us to do is to still keep moving even when you have doubt. So even in those moments where you're like, I don't know why God allowed this to happen. Keep serving. Can he really do it? Keep giving. That's what faith looks like. Not, oh, I know why God did that. I know it makes sense. That's why I can keep. So you're saying that you can have all those feelings of doubt, fear, um, not knowing, lack of certainty. Sure. And still be safe. Listen, let me tell you something, Watson. A lot of people go through a lot of things in college, <laughs> a lot of phases. And, you know, you may have witnessed a few things of me that I went through, you know, back in my younger days. But listen, I didn't go through a drug phase. I didn't go through a drinking phase. Um, you know, the, 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 the phase and the challenge I went through in college was this extreme level of doubt. Okay. Like I questioned everything. I mean, it was a major test for me. Like, it would put me in a state of depression because I went through this place where everything that I was taught growing up, I went away to college and I was, like, slapped in the face with the reality of the whole world doesn't believe like you believe. And there's a <laughs> lot of questions out there. Yeah. And I wrestle with my faith. And one of the things, the reason why I think this topic is great is because one of the things that I, I, I wish I had is because the church, everybody there was certain. Right. They never doubted God. You know what I mean? Sure. I mean, we sang songs that said, I have no doubt. Yeah. 99 and, and a half won't do. <laughs> try to make 100 because yeah. 99 and a half won't do. I, I, I bring this topic up because I want people to know this is a safe space okay. to discuss our doubts. Because God is not scared of our questions. Sure. He's not, I, I, like, I, church folks make it seem like if you ever ask a question or question God, all of a sudden, like, God's not threatened by our questions. We are threatened by our questions making us not move. The question isn't the problem. The doubt isn't the problem. It controlling you and keeping you from doing what he 
calls us to do is when we get harmed. So doubt, fear, they happen. They just can't control. Our faith has to control our actions. I really do believe that that was meant for somebody out there. I hope so. I I hope so. That one, that's because that's a topic of you know in our in the church especially. Yeah. Doubt. And I and I believe I wouldn't have had to toil with that so long or so deeply. Yeah. If I felt like I had somebody that I could say, hey, I'm I'm. Right, I have right. questions and not feel like they were going to immediately cast me into the bucket of a backslidden saint. And that's what we're going to try to do with this weekly podcast. We're going to try to open up the questions and let the things that are a little bit more, quote unquote, out of bounds, hit this sure. with the follow ups and the weekly questions. We're going to open up yeah. to viewers and listeners yeah. and just try to be real about it. Absolutely. So I appreciate all of that. Uh, we're going to just spin off for just a little bit because uh, okay. this is not just all Bible. It's going to Touch into a few other things. All right, let's do it. Uh, NBA postseason is coming up it's soon. It's on the way. Uh, we are wrapping up the season, and my man LBJ, LeBron James, won't be there. Uh, Forget the yeah. finals. He won't even be in the playoffs. At all. We can't win. Playoffs. <laughs> playoffs? What's up with that? I know you're not a born bred LBJ guy like no. I am. No. But, and I know you're a bit of a Kobe guy. Oh, but as a not Laker a bit of a Kobe fans, guy. You're a full, full. All right, I didn't want to accuse you. Some people listening might like stop listening to your ministry when they hear that. Well, that's that's okay. That's okay. They not saved anyway if they wasn't rooting for Kobe. So, (laughs) (laughs) but that being said, like, what's up? Like, is it the Lakers or is it LBJ? Is he getting old? What do you think about my man missing the playoffs? Listen, so I, I, I am not a huge, like, I wasn't just like when he hit the league a LeBron fan. Um, I followed a similar trajectory with LeBron that I did with Mike. Now, I'm, Mike is the greatest ever. Okay. Let me just say that right now. All right, that qualifies you as a basketball Mike fan. is the greatest ever. All right. Um, his skill set is what sets him above LeBron James. Um, but I had the, you know, I was born and raised a Bad Boys Pistons sure. fan. So Mike was my arch nemesis. But I recall developing a grudging respect for him. Yeah. And then I remember watching the flu game. Okay. And going from respect to wow. By the way, there's some people out there who say that's actually the hangover game. Uh, that's another right. conversation. <laughs> this is true. The hangover <laughs> game, the flu game. And if you don't know what that is, just Google the flu game Michael and Jordan. Michael you'll Jordan <laughs> and you'll see it. And I, I remember being in my bedroom yes. as, as a teenager and watching that. And I went from, hey, a grudging respect to admiration. Absolutely. And I'm there with LeBron that I've grown into okay. someone that can acknowledge, hey, that's a bad boy. <laughs> right, right. So watching him not make the playoffs, I have to ask the question. And I'm not adamant about this. Okay. You have to ask the question, is this what LeBron getting old looks like? I'm not, I, I don't know, but we have to ask the question, is this what it looks like? Does it look like numbers? That still look great, but impact. Yeah. That's not as great. You know what I mean? Like that's that's okay. what I'm wondering with this. You know, and that's uh the debate they're having now on a lot of the big sports networks. Uh, myself as a fan says that uh, I don't know just yet. Uh-huh. The only reason I will even entertain the argument again as a fan is the injury. Sure. Because other than that, when he was healthy. They were in fourth place in the they West. They were. And they finished that game off against the Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. And, 
they had other injuries as a team where they Rondo did. was out on yep. and off all year. Lonzo yep. was on and off all year. They have a center who's a complete goofball. <laughs> he lives on Shaq and Gafford. Yep. <laughs> and respect to the man, he's a champ. But the fact of the matter is, LeBron's working with the cast of guys and probably looked up and was like, you know what? Anthony Davis isn't coming. Yeah. Paul George isn't coming. Yep. Magic isn't suiting back up. Kyrie's not coming. I'm going to just take this year off and work on all my documentaries and make some money. That's possible. I, again, and that's why I said I'm not adamant. Yeah. All of that is very, everything you said is true and possible. But number one, I think the injury may be, again, what it looks like for LeBron to get old. And, and when I say what it looks like for LeBron to get old is because um, I don't think him getting old is going to look like everybody else. Okay. Because we've never seen anybody else like him. I say it, and nobody has to agree with me, mm-hmm. but I think physically, we talk about physical specimen. Yeah. I think LeBron James is the greatest human being to have walked the face of the earth that we're aware of. I don't think you can point to another human being physically. Bo Jackson might be the yeah. only one that I say is close, but how much taller is LeBron A lot. than Bo Jackson? Yeah. Because not only is he... So his size, athleticism, speed, coordination... He's like indestructible or has been indestructible. indestructible. Like we watched him come down, twist his ankle, land on someone's foot. Everybody else's ankle is broken or they're out for a stretch of time. LeBron gets up five minutes later. He's back on the court. He's literally like the closest thing to superhuman. (laughs) He's a genetic freak. Absolutely. That we've ever seen. So that person getting old isn't going to look like everybody else getting old. So does he play till he's 40? Uh, Averaging twenty five, he'll play till he's forty, and he'll always. Does he play with his son? I don't know if his son is uh, high school to college level talent. Because by that time they'll be rid of the high school yep. rule, and I, his son goes to high school next year. So that's three or four years from now. I think LeBron period. will still be around. I don't know if his son okay is a he'll high be school to long pro. enough. To where if his son is good enough... If his son is good enough together. that they can play together. Absolutely. Right. Because, again, LeBron is indestructible. I think the weight of being LeBron James will drive him away from the game really? sooner than the physical... I think he loves being. being LeBron James. When you say the weight of that, like his documentaries, if you're not a fan of him, mm-hmm. will make you a fan of him. The attack on the sports and the NCAA and how he's basically run the NBA... Mm-hmm. From a backstage perspective, and yeah. giving power to athletes, yeah. his contracts. Yeah, he's made a lot of. I, you know, and like he speaks to political issues. Mike was always very cautious about that. He, he didn't want to touch his pockets. But LBJ, I think, loves being that guy. I think that'll keep him around. If anything, I here's 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 my my thoughts on the number one. I have some thoughts on LeBron's outspokenness. Okay, because I think it goes similar to corporations that make social statements. Ah. It's advantageous now okay. to make social statements. LeBron has not put his brand at risk one time with the social stance he's made. Maybe when he wore the I Can't Breathe t-shirt, but no social stance LeBron is taking is putting his brand at risk because the current climate right now says social activism is good. It's hip now, for huh? For the business. So that, all right. all, I, 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 so I'm not hating, but I know, a lot of this outspokenness <laughs> is on brand. It's calculated. Yeah, it's huh? calculated. It's on brand. All you know right. what I mean? But the other part of it is, is I think all of that is true. He likes all of that, but 
the impact that all of those things, him trying to run things from behind the scenes, had yep. on him this season. Yeah. There, there are no fancy handshakes with any of his teammates. <laughs> <laughs> They're no all routine. going after this there, year. There's no anyway. routine. I think that's a weight yeah. that will continue to be there, and I, I don't think that that's fun. I don't think all LeBron's right. having fun unless he likes the guys he's playing with. All right, all right. Well, we'll follow up with that because we got a few things coming up, and the season's going to wrap up. March Madness, and it's all going to be fun. We'll touch on some other things. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much, Doe. Absolutely. We'll have you on again. All right.